DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Jason Cole, veteran NFL reporter and Hall of Fame voter. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Jason, good morning. Hello. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You, uh, unlike a lot of sports reporters, have actually had sports to cover over the course of the last uh, week or two. <laughs> How odd is that? Uh, we, we got a, a lot of stuff to run I'm not through. sure if you call free agency sports or if you just call it a sidelight to sports. That's what I'm always really fascinated. Like, is it a competitive thing? I mean, I guess that since there are winners and losers in the offseason, then then I guess then you would refer to it as sport. Normally, I would I would totally get where you're going, but these are unusual times, so right now, it's definitely sports. You know, I guess it's if there the were... Best, it's the yeah. best we got. Right, so exactly. That's where we're go. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think everyone is curious, do you view the Bucks now as still the pathetic Bucks, and they'll find a way to go, you know, 6-10, and because that's what they do, or... Brady makes them a playoff team, especially now that we're going to have seven playoff teams, apparently, in the NFC. Well, I took them seriously last year. I mean, if you just take away the turnovers. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, 30 interceptions, I think there are 12 fumbles in there. Uh, maybe there's seven, seven or eight of them lost. If you take away Jameis Winston's turnovers, that becomes a winning team. They were 7-9. and nine. I, I, Easily, you go to probably ten and six with that team, maybe eleven and five. And a lot of people, you know, his turnovers. He had more touchdown passes. You know, he led the league in touchdown. He had five thousand yards. That's true, but oftentimes that was because he was making up for the hole that he dug himself into. And the example of that is that seven of those interceptions were returned for scores. So put it, putting it another way, Jameis Winston scored forty nine points for the other team last year. As an average of a field goal a game, right? So when you're having to overcome your quarterback like that, if you go to a quarterback who can keep those interceptions down to, say, a dozen, which is pretty typical for, for Brady, if not, if not lower, now, then it makes him a contender. The big catch in all this is Brady's not going to be able to work with a bunch of new guys um, this entire offseason. Uh, he's not going to be able to, you know, be in a group in a classroom situation with the offensive coordinator, you know, Byron Leftwich with Brian. I'm sorry, with you know, with Bruce Arians. He's not going to be in a, in a classroom setting or a field setting with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Cameron Brayton, and uh, O.J. Howard, and all these guys that he's going to have to work with. So you wonder what is that going to matter, and what is it, how is it going to impact? the early part of next season if they don't get together until late July, August at the earliest um, at this point. I mean, and given what happened with the Olympics today, I would say that we're probably going to be asking some questions about what time are we going to be starting a training camp uh, for the NFL. That's going to be the next question. Uh, so given all of that, you know, I don't think Brady is going to be the Brady that we've seen at the top of his game in New England. He's still going to be vastly better than um, a thirty a thirty interception quarterback who you know threw seven interceptions that were returned for scores last year, and that by itself 
turns the Buccaneers into a winning team and probably a playoff team. I got uh, a quote from Terry Bradshaw that I want to throw at you, Jason, and get your response. He says, why in the world does Tom Brady want to keep playing at 43 other than prove to New England? He's more important than Bill Belichick. The only thing I could think of is ego gets involved. (laughs) (laughs) So you dismiss that completely? Terry Bradshaw has just been making money off of hollow remarks for since 1983 when he ripped John Elway. It's been a great living. (laughs) But he's profiteered off of ripping other people for either wanting to take advantage of whatever leverage they had or simply wanting to play a kid's game as long as you can. I mean, you know, look, does Tom Brady want to prove that, you know, he's the reason that they won? If that's the reason, fine. Okay, that that's a good enough reason. But he wants to compete. He wants to play. He wants to prove something. He wants to do something unique and different. And that's not to be like tossed aside. And let me just say this: Terry Bradshaw will probably play until his forties um, if his elbow hadn't a given way, right? So, I mean, Terry needs to just shut up and, and stop it with the stupid opinions. I mean, it's really it's 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 just cheap. It's just it's just old griping man who's not appreciating the fact that somebody's trying to do something with their wife and is taking advantage of every opportunity. And I just go back to what Hollywood Henderson said long ago about Terry Bradshaw. He couldn't spell cat if you spotted him the C and the A. Jason Cole, veteran NFL reporter and Hall of Fame voter, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So uh, should we assume that the uh, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and Thursday night football is just going to have tons of games out of the NFC South and that certainly the Saints and the Bucks are going to be an early Sunday night game? Is this going to turn into a glamour division now based on the quarterbacks they've got there, certainly with Breeze and Brady? I think it was pretty much a glamour division beforehand. But, yeah, you get Breeze and Brady on the same field at the same time. Yeah, they're going to be selling that in prime time, no question about it. So, I mean, that becomes the next best matchup since, you know, Brady and Manning, right? So, uh, yeah, I absolutely think that's going to be a huge deal. Um, I haven't taken a look at the Buccaneers' schedule closely to know what their other games are, but I think you're going to see them a lot on prime time. You'll probably see them. I would say four to five times in either a Sunday, Monday, or Thursday night game. Uh, you know, they're going to milk that for everything that they can and then that storyline. So, yeah, in, in my mind, no question they're going to be there. And you can add the Saints in there. I think, you know, it's questionable about what you're going to see with the Carolina Panthers and the Falcons in that division. Those two teams seem to be falling a little bit um, more. Atlanta probably can muster it together because they've still got Ryan. But the transition that Carolina's about to go through is probably going to be pretty difficult um, in the next two to three years. So that's the one team in that division that's lost some luster um, as they see the transition away from Cam Newton um, to a new quarterback and a new leadership group. I just checked their schedule looking ahead. I hadn't done that. I can't believe people haven't written about this. They've got the Packers at home. They've got the Chiefs oh, yeah, at home. Put that one up right now. Yeah, they got the they got the Rams at home. Holy cow! Yep. They got the Vikings at home. Yeah, they got a schedule. 
So they've got the entire NFC North. So Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, Green Bay. Yeah, two of those games are, are at least two of those games. If not the Chicago game, becomes you know become highlight games. So that, and if they're taking on the West, that means they have their first two teams. That's Seattle in that one as well. Or no, they would have no. They would have the Rams, and then they would have Arizona. Would probably be the other game out of that division if I'm if I'm reading it correctly. But um, I mean, uh, look, you're you're dead on right that they're going to be on TV four to five times uh, on primetime games this season, which is a huge step up for that Buccaneer team. So, Jason, I've read where down in Houston that O'Brien taking a ton of grief for giving away or trading away. I guess giving it depends. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and I know they got David Johnson back. What was going on there? Because it looked like Hopkins, I mean, he slipped a little bit last year, but still is only, I think, going to be 28 years old and has an opportunity to have a lot of good years left in terms of them getting rid of them. What was going on? Well, I said this a couple times already, and, and I truly believe it, is that have you ever gone to a casino and you're playing at the blackjack table and the dude who's had about eight free drinks walks up to the table and he's just like throwing his chips down and and he, and he thinks that you know, he's just talking a lot and, and you just get that groan and you go, oh God, this is about to be terrible. <laughs> and you know that he's going to do something like split kings, right? Thinking that, yeah, I can turn this into a couple of a couple of blackjacks instead of just sitting on your twenty, right? That's Bill O'Brien. Like he just took a pair of kings and DeAndre Hopkins and said, "I'm going to split these and see what I can make happen when I take David Johnson and some picks." Uh, Sometimes it's best to just stand pat when you have great players, and sometimes you just have to pay those guys. Even And sometimes you have to get along with guys that you don't necessarily get along with and figure it out. And this is the latest. I mean, he did this with Jadavian Clowney. Now, granted, Jadavian Clowney was not nearly as accomplished a player as DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is the real deal. That's, he's a man, okay? He's a guy who changes the game. Jadavian Clowney wasn't really that guy, but I would also blame Bill O'Brien a little bit on Jadavian Clowney because he didn't get it out of Jadavian Clowney. He comes back a little bit to O'Brien on that one, okay? But he certainly got every bit of ability out of DeAndre Hopkins and decided to trade him for a running back, and while they need a running back, there's no question about that, and they need to upgrade that running game overall, you don't do it with an overpaid veteran guy, all right? You... Go draft a guy, go find some solutions, go find a James White uh, to work in concert with, um, you know, with another running back, and you piece it together some other way. You don't trade away the guy who the opposing defense looks and goes, we got to know what that dude is doing every single play. And in other words, you don't split kings. Sometimes that comes up. Ace, ace. Most of the time, it comes up five, six. And that's a bad play. And I think that overwhelmingly, this is going to come up five, six. 
and it's going to cost Bill O'Brien his job. And I know that there probably aren't a lot of really serious gamblers in Salt Lake City, but I hope most people get that reference. I think we can do the math. You got 20, the game's 21, you're in pretty good shape. So along those lines, I don't know what the perfect analogy would be, but I think on the surface you probably don't realize how closely people follow the Chiefs here. And partly because there are a lot of Bronco fans here, the Chiefs are in the same division, but really Mm -hmm. because Andy Reid went to BYU, and he knows a lot of people here, and a lot of people know him. And then he ends up with Alex Smith, a quarterback, who went to the University of Utah. Now, I think Alex Smith has shown that uh, when healthy, and obviously now it's a different situation after his injury, but when healthy, he was able, as a veteran, to get teams to the playoffs. And when Andy Mm -hmm. Reid, without a thought, said, Mahomes is the guy – and he moves Alex Smith. I'm like, wow, he's all in. And then you start watching, and, you know, I'm just a fan who wants to be entertained. Well, I'm all aboard. It didn't take long to figure out, man, Mahomes is like Brett Favre, to go back to your Winston thing. He's the gambler, but he doesn't throw the picks the way Favre does. But he's just mm-hmm. as good at making the big play out of thin air. So do you think he's set up and the Chiefs could go back-to-back? Could we be talking dynasty? Or like Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, like Drew Brees with the Saints. Hey, they'll always be good, but that one Super Bowl season is magical, and there's no guarantee you're getting a second one, no matter how good you are. And those guys are Hall of Famers, but they haven't been able to get the second one. Look, it took Andy Reid 21 years to win a Super Bowl, longer than anybody, any coach in the history of the game who won one, right? Like, the next closest guy, I think, was Bill Cowher at 14. And all of a sudden, now we're, like, pegging him, it's going to be go to go back to back, right? Like just enjoy the one first and then let's you know, let's get to the second. But that said, like he's as situated as anybody to to do it, right? Because he has um, he has the best quarterback in the league right now in terms of youth and athletic talent and also a really great understanding of how you're supposed to play, which is not just the game of football, but sports in general, which uh, I, I would give a lot of credit to his dad. You know, like you play the next play, you play the next pitch. You know, don't worry about what happened in the last one. Move forward to the next one. You know, and, and be focused on the next play. And I think if you talk to really great uh, players, they say a, a something similar about like that all the time. I mean, I remember talking to John Elway, and he would sit there and say. Yeah, the next play. I, I can't worry about what happened in the past, and I can't anticipate too much down the road. I got to worry about the next play. Marino would say the same kinds of things. Joe Montana. You know, you, you basically you have no memory um, of anything that bad that happened. You're moving on to what you have to focus on. So I think Mahomes has that. So if anybody's going to be able to to make that happen. He's a good candidate, but we're we're talking about a very few number of people who are able to accomplish that. Brady being one of them, John Elway being one of them, Joe Montana being one of them, who've won back-to-back Super Bowls, even Terry Bradshaw, who I ripped earlier, um, was able to do, was able to do that twice. Um, but yeah, Mahomes, they have, they have everything in place. I would also say that they need to take advantage of it while Kelsey and Hill are still at the top of their game because as those guys fade, um, you're going to see that the Chiefs are going to have to change a lot what they do and Mahomes is going to have to adjust as well. 
You mentioned Cam Newton. What do you think is going to happen there? Oh, I think that Cam's pretty close to being done. I They'll probably hang around the league for another three or four more years, depending on who he chooses to play for. Um, maybe he can resuscitate his career. My problem with Cam Newton is that at a certain point in your career, you have to learn that carrying the ball as much as you do and taking the kind of physical abuse that he did, while that is heroic and wonderful and deserving of great respect, the truth is that nobody survives that. Um, the other guys on defense are too big, too fast, too strong, and they're going to wear you out. And so while Cam Newton will forever hold the record, and, and this will probably go unbroken for 40 years, um, you know, unless Lamar Jackson somehow miraculously survives, right? Um, the record for five seasons with 100 carries by a quarterback, which is, I think, Randall Cunningham had three, and nobody else has. Uh, and I think there may be one guy with two, and it might be Michael Vick. Um, I think that that record will stand for a long, long time because coaches know you just can't physically do that to a quarterback, no matter how big, no matter how strong. And I think the other problem for Cam Newton is that he never learned that sort of internal clock, which is you count to three and the ball better be out of your hand unless it's an extraordinary circumstance. You're one, two, three, where's the ball going? Uh, Because if you hold it much longer than that, um, you're about to get killed. And uh, if you don't have that internal clock, if you don't have that desire to put it in other people's hands, it's hard to, it's really hard to overcome that. And you're just going to continue to take punishment. And that's what's happened to him. And that's what happened to his body. And it's unfortunate because he's a great player, but that's not how he chose to play. Jason, let's wrap it up by circling back to where we started. That was Tom Brady. Bill Belichick, what is the plan? Is he going to pull a rabbit out of a hat and amaze us all? Or is he going to dump games and try to get the number one pick and get Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence out of uh, Clemson? Or uh, are they just going to be 6-10, and 8-8, eight and, eight and be another team? That's a great question, and I think that they will probably go – once the price comes down, I, I think people talked about this. They're going to go with a guy like Andy Dalton and see if they can make him into what he should be. Now, the the problem is that Cincinnati's sitting there with Andy Dalton, thinking that they have that same piece of gold that they had when they had Carson Palmer, right? And they turned Carson Palmer into two first round picks. I don't think the circumstances are ever going to be the same because I don't think it's going to be where. Hugh Jackson is coaching the Oakland Raiders at a time when they need to get a quarterback because of injuries and that because he knows Carson Palmer is willing to give up the two first round picks to make it happen. Like I, I those things were special and you know, pressurized and forced you know, the Raiders to make a decision that they probably all these years later um, regret. But it set uh, it set a price tag that Cincinnati's gonna want and that Belichick will never pay. Like, he's never doing that, especially not for Andy Dalton. I mean, you'd probably give up a third-round pick for Andy Dalton at this point in time. Or you just sit there and wait for him to cut him. So, like, that is the guy that I think that they're ultimately going to sign or figure out if they're going to sign. 
If they can't do that, then probably and he probably signs a veteran no matter what. I mean, he's brought in Hoyer already to be a backup, the guy who knows the system. So Hoyer's going to be there to teach whatever young guy that they bring in through the draft and that they'll get some kind of veteran. So I think they're going to end up with three quarterbacks, a veteran, a veteran backup in Hoyer, and a young guy to develop. And I know they've got Stidham already, but Stidham just, to me, is so physically limited in terms of his ability to throw the ball around the field that I don't think that Belichick can live with that long term. I mean, I'd be really surprised if Stidham is really an answer um, for what they're trying to do. Like they've, they've not propped him up in any way the way they propped up Garoppolo. Jason, we appreciate a few minutes and a few opinions, as always. Thanks for joining us. No problem. I've always got plenty of opinions. Talk to <laughs> you later, guys. Be good. Jason Cole, veteran NFL reporter and Hall of Fame voter.